You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Good evening, church. Full house tonight. No one's happy that it's a full house? It's okay. Can all the people here then just please leave so that we can enjoy service? Uh, no, I'm joking. You guys can stay. Um, I hope everyone's been enjoying the summer. I know it's been a little bit of a rainy season or so, but uh, thankfully, again, we have our summer jam picnic coming up this Monday, and, uh, and, and we're excited for that for sure. That's our first fellowship as a community since reopening and all the pandemic stuff happened. So please, again, hopefully you've all been registered, and uh, we'll, we'll see you there. To begin tonight, I want to share with you, church, the plan for us uh, for the next couple of sermons um, in the next couple uh, in the next couple of weeks. Firstly, we will not going be we will not be going back to our Gospel of John series just yet. Uh, we'll be postponing that until September for when life groups start back up. That way, we can better engage with Scripture and the text as a community. So sorry if you were expecting to get back into John tonight. You'll have to wait until uh, September for season two of the John series. And trust me, it's going to be good. We just finished all the foundational truths and doctrines that John wanted to share with us, communicate with us. And now we're getting, we're going into the action, the drama. You know, Jesus is pulling out miracles left and right. And so it's going to be epic. It's going to be great. So stay tuned for that. Now, with that said... Another reason why I wanted to postpone that series is because after many conversations with a lot of you, um, and it, it, it has been heavy on my heart to do a series that would reinvigorate us as a church family to the things of God, whether it be to the Word of God or, or to prayer or to worship or even the church community. From what I've garnered from our conversations and even uh, even from my own life, really, the pa- this past year and a half or so during the pandemic has done a number on many of our Christian walks. And maybe we're not reading God's word with much zeal uh, as before, or maybe our prayers have become passionless, or maybe our desire for Christian community has sort of grown cold. Whatever it is, as your pastor, it is my desire to get us back on track with those things, especially as we reopen and start to gather once again as a community, as a church. And so what I want to do together as a church is get back to the basics of things. Go back to, the, to, to cultivating good habits and practices and, and reading God's word and in prayer and good mentalities and perspectives relating to worship and church community. So next week we are starting a four-part series called Back to the Basics. I've aimed this series to be very practical, a very practical series to help us in the areas of reading God's Word, in prayer, in worship, and in, of course, like I said, church community. The focus will be to reestablish good habits and practices when it comes to those areas mentioned and reinforce the good ones that we may already have. So if you feel like your devotional life has been stagnant or stale, or if you feel like your prayer life could improve, if you feel like your worship needs to be reignited, or that your desire for church community has dwindled over time, please come out to those church services. Come out to church, um, you know, tune into the next uh, service next next week and, and at this coming series, Back to 
the basics. Now with all of that said, tonight my desire is to set up for us uh, sort of the premise of what we're going to be doing in the next month. Uh, again, I want to set us up for success as we go into this new series. I, I want to ensure that our hearts are in the right place before going into those practical sermons. So what I want to do tonight is prep our hearts to receive the lessons that we'll be hearing in that series to come, to ensure that all the clutter and all the distractions and all the hurdles that we have to get through in order to cultivate those good habits and practices as a church are already out of the way so we can get right into those basic practices once again. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Old Testament and to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. And please stand with me as we give reverence to the reading of God's Word. Jeremiah chapter 6, and we'll be starting from verse 10 and moving all the way down to verse 17. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, please bring it next time, but the scripture will be on the screen as well. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 10 says this. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. Therefore, I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding, holding it in. Pour it out upon the children in the street and upon the gatherings of young men also. Both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very age. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they, were they ashamed when they committed abominations? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the mercies that you have granted us, that you have afforded us by the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your spirit that guides us in your word, that teaches us and we thank you again for this great opportunity that we get to come to your house and declare praises to you. And as we just sung, declare your glory, O Lord, for you are holy, holy, holy. And I pray that you would set the fear of you in our hearts this evening. And I pray, O God, that you would humble us before your throne once again and remind us, O Lord, the cost of our salvation, the cost of our faith. I pray, O God, that if there is any hearts that is hindered by sin, that is distracted by the worries of this world and cares of this, of this age, I pray in Jesus' name that you would all diminish it in the light of your glory and grace, and that we would come to worship you truly and come to be refreshed at your feet this evening. Give us rest, O oh Lord. Use me as your instrument of peace, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. 
Amen and amen. Before you sit down, tell someone beside you or behind you the title of my sermon this evening, The Ancient Paths. The Ancient, the ancient Paths. You can be seated. We live in a world of entrepreneurs and pioneers. It seems like every so often there's, this, there's a new innovation in technology or medicine that propels the human race towards the future somehow. And oftentimes these innovations are meant to make our lives easier, bring us convenience, bring us comfort, and make it better maybe. I remember when, for example, I remember when Uber Eats or DoorDash first came out, right? This is amazing technology or advancement in society. You don't ever have to get changed to go out and get food. Someone can bring you food to your door for $10 more, right? It's great stuff. And and it doesn't even stop there. I saw a video this past week where uh, Starbucks was trying out their new drone delivery system in some place, right? And basically, if you order from Starbucks, they'll deliver it to you via drones, you know, those helicopter things, right? Fantastic, right? More venti, ice cap, whatever it is you kids drink these days uh, for all of us. It's the way of the future, apparently. But as much as we advance in technology, in in science, and even in philosophy as a society and and human race, it's interesting that none of these advancements actually do anything to help us or address the true needs of an individual. The deep longings of the soul that Uber Eats can't deliver, right? The, The peace of mind that Starbucks can't fill with all their venti cups. There is a relentless... There's a, there, is, there is a restlessness in humanity that no amount of human advancement can reconcile. And I've seen this even amongst our members, and of course, even into my own life. As I mentioned, I've been having uh, conversations with uh, some of us here and, and about how things are going, spiritually speaking, in your, in your walks with Christ. And, and if I haven't yet, you know, I, I will, I'll find you. Um, but from those conversations I've had, it does seem as though that most of us, there is, for the most of us, there is a resounding cry of restlessness. And even as I examine my own life, this past year and a half has taken a toll on our Christian walks, for sure. Maybe it's the lockdowns and not being able to see our brothers and sisters in Christ and fellowship in community. Maybe it's, it's having to adjust our, our work schedules, right? Working from home. Where does it uh, divide between work life and home life? It's all a blur. We're always in our pajamas. For some of us, we picked up not-so-healthy habits or God-honoring um, practices as a result of being stuck at home, and it's left us frustrated. For some of us, this past year has been difficult in the sense of having to find new jobs, or a new place to live in the midst of everything being locked down. All the while having to struggle through mental and emotional and maybe even physical distress while being separated, again, from our communities of support. You add all the news uh, and and the flood of information we receive on media outlets and all all the fear-mongering that's out there. It just adds to this feeling of restlessness and uncertainty and anxiety to our lives. How are we going to survive the the next lockdown or the the next wave or whatever it is? 
And even now, as the province and our country, really, is starting to reopen, it seems like we're supposed to just sort of get back to normal, or the new normal that, that people keep talking about. This pandemic has been, so to speak, traumatic, hasn't it? And yet people are supposed to just go back to how things were. And instead of actually dealing with that trauma, those hurts or those struggles, or dealing with that restlessness, people are just having to push forward and not address those underlying issues, which results in more frustration and not feeling rested at all. Now, according to Scripture, our restlessness is rooted in a lack of something spiritual. And unless we address that spiritual need, we won't find the rest, the peace that we want in this life. The world would push that, 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 that you need to address those issues with superficial self-help, new age philosophy, the new secret to a better you or, or more satisfying life and, and all this positivity talk and naming it and claiming it and, and changing the universe stuff. Nonsense, of course. But none of it worked. None of those ideas and philosophies worked. None of those so-called innovative and progressive philosophies actually address what is at the root of our restlessness. It's like all those technological advancements that we just talked about. Sure, they're cool, but they're only, they only offer convenience and not genuine change to the human condition. And I would argue that we must turn to what is tried and true rather than what is new and, and cool to find rest. We must go to what has been proven to work in addressing these issues in our lives. We must turn to the ancient past. Our, our, our passage says, thus says the Lord, verse 16, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. The ancient paths refer to the tried and true ways to find rest for our weary souls, to truly experience peace despite the, the changing times, the challenging circumstances that we experience. And my desire tonight, church, is to point us back to the good way, as our passage declares, the, the way that is truly life-giving and has proven to give rest and peace to those who are frustrated and restless in this life. My hope, church, is that if you, are, if you have been feeling restless in your walk with God or in life in general, if life has been frustrating to you for the past year and a half or so, that tonight you would get back on track with the ancient paths that God has set before us so that we might truly find rest, His version of rest, His kind of rest. That's my prayer tonight. So without further ado, let's jump into tonight's, into tonight's sermon. Everybody say jump. Now before we unpack what the ancient paths entail, we need to first identify what makes us restless according to Scripture, what robs us of our peace. And our passage is very clear as to what does that. Let's look at our passage, verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? So a little context here. The prophet Jeremiah is writing, writing this during a time in Israel's history where the kingdom was divided between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Jeremiah, who was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah, 
was, at, was tasked by God to warn people about the upcoming judgment if they would not repent of their sin. And so Jeremiah in our passage is calling people back to the ancient past, back to where the people could find peace and rest again. And from our passage, the prophet goes on to point out the main reason as to why his people, and similarly us, become restless in this life, us believers. He says, in, going on in that verse, Behold, their ears are uncircumcised. Circumcision was a mark of dedication being set apart for God. So the people's ears were not set on listening to God. They cannot listen. And here's the root of their problems. Listen to this. Behold, the word of the Lord is to them an object of scorn. They take no pleasure in it. The reason that the prophet gives for our restlessness and frustrations in life is related to how we view the word of God. His people would not dedicate themselves to it. They would not listen to it. They viewed the word, the word of God as an object of scorn or rather shame. They were ashamed of the word. And more atrociously, they found no pleasure in it. They did not delight in God's word. We'll talk more about our hearts for the word of God next week, but see what the result is in our lives when we do not have a high regard of the word of God. Jeremiah goes on to say, verse 11, Therefore I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary of holding it in. Jeremiah is very upset. Then God says to Jeremiah, Pour it out. Pour out that wrath that you're feeling upon the children in the street and upon the gatherings of young men. Also both husband and wife shall be taken, the elderly and the very aged. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. All because they scorned the word of God. Because they would not listen or hear the word of God or heed it. And all because they did not delight or take pleasure in the word of God. And you might be thinking, well, well, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? All because they didn't listen or honor the word of God, they're going to be overthrown as a kingdom? But see, the reality is, when we're not listening to the word of God, we're listening to another word. The reality is, when we're not following the ways described to us in Scripture, we are following other ways. We're delighting in other things. And Jeremiah talks about that. He, he mentions what is the consequence of not adhering or listening to the word of God and why God's wrath was so necessary for disciplining his people. Verse 13, For from the least to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. That's corrupt ambitions, an insatiable hunger for wealth, even by means of sinful means. And from prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. Even the prophets and priests were taking bribes. They, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. The, the reason why the, the prophets and the priests were taking bribes is so that they could say that everything was okay. There's peace in the land. You don't need to repent. They did not listen to the word of God. Verse 15, it goes on to say, Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Abomination, talking about pagan idolatry here. And the sexual perversions that crept into society with it. No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. Sin was so normalized in the people's eyes that they forgot how to blush. 
kind of reminds me of our own society. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Because the people did not have a high regard of the word of God, they fell into sin. They had greedy ambitions. They dealt falsely. There was no integrity even amongst their leaders. I love what Jeremiah says here. They have healed the wound of my people lightly. They weren't dealing with with the root of the problem. They were superficially addressing the issue, like covering a festering wound with a band-aid. Furthermore, idolatry was common among them. Sin was so common to them that they no longer blush at the things that should have put them to shame. And again, all because of a lack of reverence and delight and dedication to God's word. And church, maybe the reason why you are feeling so restless and frustrated and maybe the reason why you fall into habitual sin and worldly mentalities is because of a low regard for the holy word of God. I mean, can anyone relate to what Jeremiah is saying here? Probably no one wants to put up their hands, but if you're being honest with yourself, maybe you'd see that your restlessness is a, is a result of you pursuing something that God did not want you to pursue in the first place. Maybe your frustrations are rooted in the idols that you have set up in your life. Or the sins you have grown numb to. Maybe the reason you are so restless in your life is because you are trying to address deep-seated spiritual issues with superficial solutions that only temporarily mask the trauma that you're actually experiencing, that you're actually going through. Maybe you're trying to mask your insecurities and and your sinful nature with with pornography and substance abuse and self-isolation. Maybe it's food, maybe it's money for some. Whatever it is, understand that you are merely masquerading for peace when there is no peace and you are doing more harm to yourself than good. If that's you tonight, if you fall in the same boat as Jeremiah's people, listen, understand that we love you. Understand that God loves you. And he doesn't want that restless life for you. So how do we get back on track then? Well, what's great is that there is a tonal shift in our passage. Jeremiah goes from judgment to to joy and hope and encouragement. Verse 16, he says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Again, the ancient paths was a metaphor for the proven ways to find rest, peace from the frustrations we, we, we could be feeling, freedom from sinful ways of living. And God gives very specific instructions on how to get back on those paths. God says, stand by the roads and look. The first thing we must do if we want to get back on track with God and find rest is recognize the ancient paths. Recognize the ancient paths. This is a call to stand, to stop what you are doing and examine the road that you have been traveling on. Part of the reason why we continue down lifestyles that are destructive, that are unpleasing to God is because we're so caught up in the busyness of it all, of the hustle of life that we don't ever stop to consider maybe what I'm doing, where I'm going in life is not the way I should be going. 
whether or not the direction that we're headed is the right way to go. God says to stand by the roads and look. That's a call to take a step back and look or behold, really see whether or not the road you are on is glorifying to God and, and it is actually good for you. Listen, don't believe the, the lie that all roads lead to heaven or that it doesn't matter what path you take in life, right? That God's just going to fix it in the end. Jesus himself says, Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. There are paths in life that lead to sin and destruction. Paths that take us in a loop, not going anywhere. And lifestyles that are not honoring to God that leaves us restless and ultimately, again, leads to destruction. And unless we stop and stand and really examine the direction that we are going in and recognize the way that we ought to go in, we'll be doomed to repeat our mistakes, to wander those restless paths. Call us to recognize the ancient paths, to see the path that we should go down, see the difference between the path that we've been taking and the good way, the right way to go. God even says, and ask for the ancient paths, which, where the good way is. This is a call for self-evaluation. And examine your life, church, where you are right now. Ask yourself, is the road that you've been on the lifestyle that you've been living, the reason why you are so restless in this life, the reason why you lack peace in your life. What decision have you made, the choices that you pursued that has left you restless? What sinful lifestyle is leaving you weary and exhausted? Maybe it's the idols in your life. What idols have you set up in your life that you keep running back to? That you keep investing your time, talents, and treasures into? Now once we've stopped and recognized the way that we should go, we are to inquire about it, to ask which way to go, the good way to go. As our passage says, God says right in our passage, ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. We are to request the ancient paths. If we want to get back on track, we must request the ancient paths. This is the call to repentance. We've been going down one destructive pathway, and once we recognize that we are, we are meant to ask for another, a different path, the ancient, the good paths, and return to God. The underlying requirement here is a changed heart, a different set of desires, changed affections, because unless you desire after the ancient paths, you wouldn't be asking for it in the first place, right? Our desire for change to go a different way, the, the good way, that's what fuels our request. And that's what repentance is. It's recognizing that you've been going one way, the wrong way, and having the desire to go to the right way. The desire that leads to making steps to correct your lifestyle, to correct uh, your habits, your practices, the way that you've been going. See, church, it's one thing to simply recognize the way that you've been going and then recognizing that is wrong and destructive and not conducive to your Christian walk. But if left 
there, if you just leave it at that, without taking any steps to course correct yourself, you remain stuck in that sinful lifestyle, in that bad mentality, in those bad habits, in that restless style of living. So by God's grace, you need to take steps towards getting back to the ancient paths, the tried and true and proven paths that bring peace and rest. Maybe that means requesting accountability from other Christians. Maybe that means cutting yourself off from the bad influences in your life. Maybe that means looking for another job or whatever it is. You need to address the source of that restlessness and go another direction. You need to repent. Again, that's what repentance is. And if you're stuck in a lifestyle that is causing you to sin, and you know it is, you must repent. A true child of God will not continue down a road of destruction. A true child of God will pursue his Savior. You must repent and request for the ancient paths, the good way that leads to life. There's a Proverbs in Proverbs 28 that says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And listen, here's another reason why we end up feeling restless and stuck and frustrated. When we wallow in our sin, when we, when we wallow in our failures, in our, diso- in, our, in our disobedience, when we think, I'm never going to change. This is, this is my reality. This is who I am. I'm never going to change. Listen, do you know who it is that we serve? Do you know who it is that we were just singing about? This is the God who brings life to dead bones. This is the God who raises dead men to life. How much more can he do for the places of defeat, the places of insecurities, the places of sin in your life? Don't wallow in your disobedience. Don't settle for your sin. Have faith that, uh, as the Bible says, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness, all our unrighteousness. Have faith that God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide a way out that you may be able to endure it. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't wallow in your sin. Don't settle for sin. In repentance, sincerely request the ancient paths and have confidence that the God who is faithful and true will deliver you from your sin. So once we recognize the ancient paths, seeing where we're going wrong, and once we request the ancient paths in repentance, as we talked about, desiring the good way that leads to life, God says then in our verse, walk in it and find rest for your souls. We want to get back on track if we want to walk on the ancient paths that God has set before us. We must rest in the ancient paths. Rest in the ancient paths. This idea of walking to find rest is really confusing to me, right? I find walking is exercise. I don't really find rest. Rest to me is like sitting on a couch, right? That's doing nothing. This is a little confusing. So how do we find rest? By walking in something. See, the idea of rest here is 
simply ceasing to live in a way that burdens us with sin, guilt, and shame. And we've seen throughout this, as we've seen throughout this passage, what tires us, what makes us weary and restless in sin, what robs us of that rest, that peace, it's, it's sin. It's sinful ambitions, it's the, the cover-up of sin, it's lack of integrity, it's addressing our wounds superficially, it's idolatry, running back and forth, back and forth between God and the idols of our lives. Sin is what tires us, what leaves us exhausted, what burdens us and makes us restless. Sin is what ultimately destroys us. What adds to that restlessness is our human works to, to make up for that sin, right? To cleanse us, our, to cleanse ourselves of our failures, to make things right ourselves, and hoping that if we do enough good or, or work hard enough, it will set things straight. But that's not the kind of rest that God invites us to. And that's not the rest that Jesus came to give. The rest that Christ came to give, the ancient paths that lead to rest for our souls, is a rest from the sin that exhausts us. And the burden of working for our own salvation. That's what Jesus himself says, right? He says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, those who, those, those who labor in sin, those who are burdened with the expectations of saving yourself. He's talking to a Jewish people here who was mandated to be righteous and holy by keeping the law. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke in rabbinical, in rabbinical terms was a set of teachings and rules and practices that a rabbi would pass on to his disciples. There's, uh, there, that, that's another reference to God's word, his truth, and a necessity to learn from scripture, to have scripture as our guide. Je Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus is saying, I'm not like the Pharisees who will shame you over your sin, who will guilt you or hold your sin over your head. I am gentle, I am compassionate. And by taking on the word of God and coming to Christ, Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, church, the ancient paths, the good way that leads to rest for our souls ultimately leads to Christ. In fact, is Christ. One of Jesus' famous words, right, is what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So there is no other way of finding freedom from sin, rest from the busyness of this world, and the burden of saving ourselves is freed in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what you need tonight. If you've been relating to everything I've been talking about this evening, maybe what you need to do tonight is rest in Christ. Rest in the ancient path that leads to rest for our souls. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we come to a time of reflection here. The 
invitation is before us, church, as again, as we prepare for this next month and the series to come, but more importantly, to address whatever it is that you have been struggling with, whatever it is that has been draining you, whatever it is that has left you restless in this life, let's deal with it tonight. The invitation is simple. Examine yourself this evening. Recognize the way that you have been going. Has the way that you have been living, has it been glorifying, has it been honoring to God? Or maybe you've been going the wrong way. If that's you, if you know, if, you, if the Holy Spirit has brought you to conviction to realize that the way that you have been living hasn't been honoring, hasn't been good, has been sinful, has been full of distractions, have, has been leading you farther and farther away from God. If that has been your life, I pray that you would repent this evening. That's the second invitation. Repent. Request, desire after the good way that God has provided so that you might actually and truly find rest for your souls. Recognize the destructive path that you've been living. Recognize what your sin is to a holy God. And as we read tonight, as we heard tonight, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He will not turn away a, a sincerely genuine heart who desires forgiveness. And the last invitation for us tonight is to rest in Christ. Rest in one who did the work, who lived the righteous life, the life that we could not live up to. Rest in the one who paid the price that we should have paid, who died the death that we should have died, so that we can have life in his name, so that we can have his relationship with the Father, so that we can have eternal life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame that is seated at the right hand, the right throne of the Father. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or grow faint-hearted. Jesus endured all of that the cross the punishment for our sins so that we might have less that we might not grow weary or faint hearted 
I'm going to ask everybody to stand at this time as we enter into this time of reflection. In your own way, wherever you are in your walk with God, however it's been, ask God tonight, where have you gone astray? Ask God the paths in your life that you've been taking that has been leading to more restlessness. For him to reveal to you where you have wandered. Don't be like the people in, in Jeremiah's day where they were where they said, we will not walk in it. We will not pay attention to it. If you hear the voice of the Lord today, today is a day of salvation. Repent. restless and frustrated and you feel stuck in the cycle of sin confess, sin confess you have felt weary because of whatever lifestyle you have adopted whatever practices you picked up remember who it is that we are worshipping remember who it is that we are crying out to for help as the word of God says that we can have confidence that he hears us, that he will give us help, grace and mercy in our times of need. You have a God who is able to save, who provides a way out, who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So I invite you, church, I invite you loved ones to come, come back to Christ, come back to the ancient past. Let's pray. God and Heavenly Father we can only truly come to you in prayer because you are a good God you are a loving and a forgiving God and so God I pray for those individuals in the room who's listening to my voice and who's been listening to your spirit and who, have, who has recognized Lord the way that they have been going and the destructive paths that they've been living and sinful ambitions in their life. I pray, oh God, that in this moment that you reveal to them your way, your truth, your rest in your Son, Jesus Christ. That at this moment, oh God, that they would surrender their lives once again to you. That they would commit to walking after your ways. That they would develop in them, oh God, a a desire, a love for your word. Not to scorn it, not to be ashamed by it, to delight and take pleasure in it. For your word is the light to our, our feet and a lamp to our path, oh God. It is what directs us and what guides us in this life of trouble and uncertainty. Oh God, set us back on track with you. That our love for you would grow. 
that our delight and our satisfaction in your word and in your truth and in the person of Jesus Christ would grow. Please do not leave us the same, O oh God. Let us be a changed people living lives worthy of the gospel that saves you. We pray these things in Jesus, your mighty name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.